This morning's worship is a little bit different. Um, we're going to have uh, five readings this morning with some visuals for you to see as we look at the second part uh, of the book, Gracious Christianity, Living the Love That We Profess. This today is about creation, uh, creation being one of God's great gifts to us. Uh, and so we're going to look at creation. We're going to look at the creation story and examine it and where we see grace in the midst of that and where we might see our own role in that. One of the things you're going to hear me talk about is toward the end is that for every one of us, we need to be able to spend time in awe of God. We live in one of the most beautiful places on the planet. We live in one of the places that is just incredibly healthy and beautiful and wonderful. And I wonder how often do we take the moment to just stop for a few seconds and look around. That is also what worship is supposed to be. An opportunity to stop for just a moment in the midst of our busy lives and create space for about an hour for God to enter into our souls in new ways. And so every Sunday, what you're going to hear from me is to take a moment to stop. To kind of let everything else go for a little bit. To allow the presence of God that is permeating this place right now to enter into you as we prepare and begin worship. Will you pray with me? God of all creation, as we come into this sanctuary, help us to feel your presence in this place. As we begin to examine not only the beauty and order of your creation, but our role in it, help us to hear your still small voice as you seek to guide us, empower us, equip us to take on whatever that role may be. Inspire us this morning, Lord God. Move us forward as now we begin this time of worship. Amen. As we enter into the second chapter in Gracious Christianity, we now go back to the beginning. The two authors write this. The Christian begins with God as creator and views the world, the stars, the solar system, even the universe as God's creation. Our lives are enfolded within a vast and magnificent domain. And gracious Christianity is rooted in a natural sense of awe, even gratitude. We realize that we are not our own makers. We are dependent upon forces beyond ourselves, and we exist interdependently with everyone and everything around us. We have the significant realization that we are living in someone else's world. With that in mind now, hear this first reading. In the beginning, 
when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome, and, and it was so. God called the dome sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. I love the word that describes the chaos that hovered above creation before God breathed into it and spoke that first word. The word is tohu avohu, tohu avohu, nothingness. And then suddenly God speaks ruach, and creation begins. And can you see the pieces beginning to swirl and beginning to form some semblance of order? And can you see then things beginning to separate and others beginning to come together? And whether you believe in a seven-day creation or millions and millions of years of creation, is either one less miraculous than the other? God speaks and creation happens. God's desire is to take any kind of chaos and create order, no matter whether it looks at a universe or even our own lives. God speaks, the very breath of God enters into it, and something happens. My question to us is, do we expect, do we expect something to happen? I don't know about you, but I, I was looking out yesterday, and it's driving up, or and at one point running up, I, I, my running route is now up the hill and I have three different loops that I do. And all three cause are, are in places where you see the vast expanse, almost, almost probably 200 degrees in direction. And in one of the loops, the upper loop come around and there right before in the midst of a gap in the trees is Mount Rainier. And I anticipate that place. And no matter what's going on, particularly if the clouds are a little bit higher and I can see the mountain, I'll stop for just a second. Or did you see the sunset yesterday? It was, it was truly incredible. The bright oranges and the purples of the sunset. It was truly magnificent. Or as you look across particularly from high points, and you see Lake Sammamish, and then Lake Washington, and then Puget Sound, and then the Olympic Mountains. Friends, we live in a place that is the envy of so many places in the world. But do we recognize the beauty, or have we now come to a point 
of taking it for granted. What has created this place is the perfect combination of volcanic eruptions and weather. I was reading in one of the, um, one of the websites for the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., and they describe in detail the scientific aspects of what it took and what it takes to keep creation in balance. And it's stunning, absolutely stunning to see. Now I hear the second reading for this morning. And God said, Let the waters under the sky be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. Can we bring up slide number four? That would be great. What's amazing to me is, and I've, I've said it a couple times, is how wise the authors of this set of verses were. The fact that this story was written so long ago, and yet there was a recognition of the need, even then, and we'll hear about this in more detail in just a minute, but even then to stop for a moment. And even if it was just to stop and look at that, and to take in what that is, beyond the light shining through the trees, the beauty of the green, the various kinds of trees that are there, the incredible amount of items it took to create that. And then at the end of the reading, you're going to hear, as we go to the end of the first chapter of Genesis and into the second chapter in that final reading, you're going to hear the wisdom of even those earliest of writers that talk about Shabbat, Sabbath. The Sabbath is not necessarily meant to be some law that makes us do anything. Sabbath is to be that moment that we choose to set aside, whether it's a Sabbath moment, and even sitting at some red light in the traffic in downtown Seattle, or wherever it is, sitting in traffic, 
or any moment where we can stop and just say, God, this is beautiful. Or if every day we would create space in the busyness of our lives, even if it's five minutes, five minutes, five minutes before you walk out the door to do whatever it is you're going to do, to stop for a moment. And don't kind of throw up the laundry list that we often give God of all the needs that we have. But instead, stop for a moment, praise God for what is around us, and then be quiet. When was the last time that you took a Sabbath moment? When was the last time that you truly stopped for five minutes and listened to God rather than spoke? When was the last time you did that? And friends, I've got to tell you, if you would do that, if you would stop and praise and then listen, I will guarantee you that your life will be better. There's something mystical that happens in each one of us when we take that time to stop. So I want to give you that gift for just a second this morning. Whether it's looking at this beautiful scenery of the forest or sitting next to your partner in life or sitting in this church that means so much to you or maybe sitting here for the first time. I want to invite you to enter into this just brief moment and it's only going to be about a minute. But what I ask of you in this minute is to listen. God does not necessarily come in the volcanic eruption or in the hurricane. Most often, when God comes to us, it is with God's still small voice in the midst of our hearts and our minds. God is continually seeking to continue creation in you. Now let's listen for just a moment. At the end of each day, at the end of each day of creation, The writers say, and God saw that it was good. And the word translates into something so far beyond our understanding of good. It is to be overwhelming. Is it overwhelming for you? Does it create awe in you? And God said, Let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves, of every kind with which the waters swam, and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. 
And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things, and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind, and the cattle of every kind, and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. What is amazing to me is if you look around and you, I, I sat in the backyard yesterday and, and just kind of stood by the fence and watched two small hummingbirds almost doing their dance with each other, only to realize that one was teaching the other. And then believe it or not, and it's so true, I went around to what Alice has created up there, which is a moss garden. Uh, never had a moss garden before. And watched as a mother bird and a smaller bird were also in somewhat of a dance. And the mother bird would go and, and the little one would follow along and it would find a bug under the moss and then it would lift it up and it would turn and it would feed it, that other one. Then I watched as the spider created the web. We don't like spiders much at the Beeman house. But there is something beautiful and symmetrical and wonderful about that web, particularly in the morning dew as the sun glistens through it. What is amazing to me is that every creature, everything on this planet has a role. But so do we. And so my question to you is, do you know what your role is? Do you know what your role is? The other thing I want to share with you is theologically where I am as your pastor, and I don't have time to go into a lot of detail, but I went to a seminary whose major focus was what's called process theology. I come out of the research community in some ways and, and was educated in that, and in one who just everything has to make sense somehow, that one thing has to stack and connect with another. And I was sitting in class that first time hearing about process theology and quantum physics and theology, which became married in the midst of this. And I thought, finally, there is something that makes sense to me theologically. Something that is within creation that makes sense to me. I am a huge Stephen Hawking fan, and one of the reasons is watching him vacillate between whether he thinks God is here or God is not. That God is involved or God isn't. But I keep going back to Alfred Lord Lloyd Whitehead and his idea that at the base of everything in creation is God working through quantum physics. It is an incredible thing, and I'll go into it sometime, some way later. But it's amazing to me, watching those birds yesterday, watching the spider, watching everything in creation, and how balanced it is, but that we truly do have a role. So what is your role? So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, 
And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them as food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps upon the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. I don't know about you, but I rail against words like subdue and dominion. And I wonder, that is ancient writing, but for us today, might those things mean something different? What if it means to take responsibility for, to surround and care for? And I I keep looking back at our role, and I know I've said that a number of times this morning, and as we look at our faith and grace in Christianity, we have to look at Jesus. And one of the things I love most about Jesus is how organic he was. He was truly a man of the earth. And we hear him talking about, particularly in Matthew, as he points out to his disciples, look, look at the birds of the air. What do they do to earn the right to have food? And yet God surrounds them and takes care of them. And look at the lilies of the field. He said, they don't spin or toil, but God makes them beautiful, even though they last for such a short time. If God does that for the birds and the flowers, what might God be doing for us? I think about the God who would have created this creation. I think about the God that would have offered this to us. Knowing that we are flawed. Knowing that we make mistakes. And yet it is constantly and always and forever there if we take it up. Wasn't this a gift of God out of graciousness and love? And I love what the writer of 1 John says, that God doesn't just display love, that God doesn't just create love, that God is love. And then Jesus comes back and says, Greater love hath no one than this, that they lay down their life for their friends. Friends, it is what we are to be. No matter where we are, no matter what we are, no matter what we've done or where we've come, we are to be in loving relationship with each other and with God. And it is in that mystical combination that inseparable combination that we truly understand what being faithful disciples is all about. But we continue to hold up the Word made flesh. Jesus Christ is that example.